Good morning, guys. You know, one of my favorite speakers and authors and probably uh, the, the wisest person I know in modern times when it comes to leadership is John Maxwell. And one of the, the principles that John Maxwell teaches is to perform in our strengths. And he uses, for example, he says, he says, let's let's say, for example, that we measure our abilities on a scale of zero to 10. Okay. And he says, if you try real hard, work really hard at something, you may be able to bring that up two points on a scale of zero to 10. And then he said, think about this. Let's assume that you are a two in something, which means, you know, you're not, you can't, you're not at a point where you can't do it at all, but you don't do it very well. Okay. You're a two. And if you work very hard at it, you put a lot of time and energy and effort into learning how to do it better. He says you may be able to bring that up to about a four, which is average. But then he said, think about the fact that if you have something that's already a seven, that you perform at a seven, again, on a scale of zero to ten. And you really pour a lot of time and effort and energy into improving that ability. He said, you could possibly raise that up to a nine. And then he says, people pay good money for nines. <laughs> I've always loved that illustration because our default is to try to figure out what we're not good at and put all of our time, energy, and effort into developing that. And John Maxwell, and I would agree, and a lot of other people agree as well, is don't spend so much time in your weaknesses. Spend more time in your strengths, those things that you do well, and develop those things. <laughs> Work on those things. Put the majority of your time, energy, and effort into improving the things that you already do well. And I like to, like to say that it's the difference between mastery and maintenance. Okay? We need to do a little bit of work on those things that we don't do well. We can't just completely ignore those things. We have to pour a little bit of work into those. That's called maintenance, okay? We're working on those things that don't work well. But when we work on the things that do work well already and we're just improving those, that's called mastery. Because we are mastering that ability. We are mastering that skill. And the difference between mastery and maintenance is that we should spend about 20% of our time on the maintenance and about 80% of our time on the mastery. What is it you do well? What is it that you do better than most other people? Work on that. Develop that. Listen, if you are an extrovert, don't try to be an introvert. <laughs> and if you're an introvert, don't try to be an extrovert. Now, you might spend about 20% of your time making adjustments in those areas. But spend about 80% of your time in the aspects of life that you're strong in because of that. Okay? As an introvert, and I know a lot of you guys don't think I am an introvert, but I really am. And people who know me well um, realize this. And some of you over the past year and a half have come to understand that I really am an introvert. 
And you know where I do my best thinking? When I'm alone. Now, I can still brainstorm with a team. I can still brainstorm and come up with ideas with a group, but not to the point that I can when I'm by myself. Matter of fact, most of my good ideas come in the shower. Okay? I'm in there I'm by myself. Nobody's bothering me. I can't hear anything. The water's beating the dirt off of me. And I just get an opportunity to think. And I come up with these great ideas that I typically do not when I am in a crowd. Now, if you're an extrovert, you probably think better in a crowd. And when you're by yourself, you may struggle to come up with good ideas. And you know what? I need to spend about 20% of my time learning how to better come up with ideas with a crowd, to brainstorm with other people. <laughs> but I need to spend about 80% of my time focusing on coming up with ideas by myself when I'm alone, when I'm in seclusion. And as an extrovert, it's, it's just the opposite for you if you're an extrovert. Yeah, you need to spend a little time and effort, about 20% or so, learning how to come up with ideas when you're on your own and you're, you're secluded and, and you're able to think through things in a different way. But probably about 80% of your time, you should spend coming up with ideas in a group of people because that's where you perform the best. And we could go through uh, uh, several different things, but what it comes down to is performing and developing and, and working on those areas that we work best in. The difference between mastery and maintenance. <laughs> spend about 80% of your time, energy, and effort in mastering what you already do well and about 20% doing maintenance on those things that maybe you don't do so well. <laughs> you know, there's a story in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 25. Um, we're not going to read it, but I just want to, I want to share this story with you. It's a story that Jesus shares in Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 30. I would encourage you to go back and maybe read it later this afternoon. <laughs> it's a short read. But this guy is getting ready to go on a journey. Maybe it's vacation or something. He's going, going on this journey. And he's got these servants, these three servants that he has. And he wants them to take care of his money. Now, take care of his money is not just watch over, but he wants them you know, to do what he would do if he were there with the, with the money. Now, in the Bible, there's a, um, there's a measurement of money that's referred to as talents. And I love the fact that that word is used. And a matter of fact, there is a connection between that word being used in the Bible and talents in the way that we think of them today and our abilities uh, that we're able to perform things. <laughs> so this guy's going on this trip and he has this, this servant and he goes, hey, I'm going to give you five of my talents, five measurements of money. Maybe it's like like five bags of gold or something like that. As a matter of fact, I think the some some translations actually translate it that way, five bags of gold. So he gives them these five talents. And he says, I want you to watch over them. I want you to take care of them. I want you to do, do good by these five talents while I'm gone. And then he goes to another servant and he goes, okay, I've got, I've got uh, two, two talents. <laughs> and I'm going to give you these two talents, um, but I want you to do right by them. Okay, I want you to do, I want you to take care of these as if I would be taking care of them if I were here. Okay, and then he leaves one talent with this other servant. He goes, this is one talent. Um, 
it's not five. It's not as big a deal. It's not as overwhelming. It's not as, as much of a stress, but it's one talent. It's one measurement. It's just one bag of gold, okay, that I want you to take care of while I'm gone. He gives them their talents. He sets out on this journey. He's gone for a long time. We don't know how long, but it's a long time. And then he comes back. And so he checks with his first servant. And he goes, what has happened with my money? What have you done with the five talents that I left you? And the guy is, is ecstatic. I mean, he is enthusiastic. He says, master, you will never believe this, but I have invested your five talents and they have doubled. And I now have 10 talents. Here is your money. Here's your, here are your 10 talents. And the master is like, oh man, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've done such a, such a great job. And I want you to enjoy this happiness with me, okay? This is, this is your celebration as much as it is mine. And so he goes to the servant that he gave two talents to. And he goes, what, what have you done with my talents? And he goes, Oh, master, I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm so enthusiastic about what has happened. I invested your two talents and they have doubled. You now have four. Man, it is, it is just something else. And the master goes, wow, you've done a great job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And I want you to celebrate with me. I want you to enjoy this happiness with me, with what you have done with these talents, with my money, with my bags of gold. Great job. Excellent. Thank you. And then he goes to the third servant. And the third servant is the one that he gave one talent. And he goes, hey, what's happened with my, with my money that I gave you, with the talent that I gave you? And he goes, well, you know, I know that you're a, you're a hard master. And, and I know that, that you expect big things. And I did not want to mess up. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose this talent. I didn't want to lose this bag of gold. And so I hid it. I hid it in a secure place where nobody was going to find it. Here it is. The one talent that you wanted me to watch over. I have protected it. And here it is. I give it back to you. And the master goes, what are you talking about? You, I left you with one talent and all you could do is just give me back the same talent that I gave you. You didn't invest it. You didn't look for ways to grow it. You didn't look for something to, to do with that. Man, that's pretty lazy. You know what? I'm going to take that talent from you. I want to give it to the guy that made 10 talents. Okay. I want to give it to him because you obviously you either don't know what you're doing or you didn't have the desire to do anything. Or maybe you were just performing out of fear. Regardless of what the situation is, you did nothing. You did nothing with my money. <laughs> and a matter of fact, he told the others to kick him out. He told some other servants to kick him out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what's the principle of this? Well, I think there's a lot of principles we could apply, and some of it could be financial. You know, whatever God blesses you with financially, use it. Use it for good. Grow it. Grow it, okay? There's some wise things you can do with your finances to be able to grow that. Is there a little risk involved in that? Yes, there is, but you can learn 
ways to take calculated risk. And if you don't know what I'm talking about with that, I would encourage you to get some Dave Ramsey books. Okay. Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey to get you started on, on what to do with your finances in a godly way. Okay. Financial, godly financial stewardship is not just about giving God 10% of what we have. It's not. It's about using what you have for his glory. And sometimes that means growing it, investing it. How can you, how can you double that? Okay. But that's not necessarily what I want to talk about here this morning. What I want to talk about is the other application of this, the other principle that we can look at this, and that's our talents, our abilities. Those things that we can do well. Whatever God has blessed you with, use that, double that, grow that. That's what God wants you to do with those talents. Don't hide them. Don't hide. You remember the old song when we were kids? Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hey, guys, let it shine. Whatever God has given you, let it shine. And I know we talk about that song in spreading the gospel, and we need to spread the gospel. But, you know, I love the quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi when he says, we should always be preaching the gospel, and when necessary, use words. I love that. I love it. Sometimes it's necessary to use words, but it's always necessary to be preaching the gospel with our lifestyle, with the way that we live, with the way that we serve God. You know what? What you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself, that's your gift to God. God didn't give you talents just for yourself. He didn't give you talents to keep them hidden. He didn't give you talents to have a false humility. Well, I can't really do it that well kind of thing. You know, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. If there's something you do well, listen, it glorifies God for you to embrace that. Not to embrace it in a selfish way, in a way that's just about you, but to embrace it in a way that you, you, you use that for God's glory. Nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, there's something wrong if you're not doing that. God has given you an ability. He's given you a talent. He's given you a gift. He wants you to use that. And that's your gift back to him. And when we use our gifts, when we use our talents, in the way that God wants us to use them, and they multiply, they spread, they bless other people, growth takes place, okay? In us, as individuals, in the church, both spiritually and numerically, everything grows when we are doing what God has put us on earth to do. I believe that's what one of the things the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 is teaching us. We've been looking at this during this whole series because it applies to every message in this series. <laughs> what, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? Because they were arguing about who they were following, the people in the Corinthian church. And Paul is saying, none of that matters because we are only servants through whom you came to believe. 
Now, notice what he's saying there. Because of their servanthood, because they did what God had assigned them to do, people came to believe. When you do what God has assigned you to do, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you have an assignment. If you are following that assignment, people are going to come to know Jesus. And Paul goes on to say, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. When the Lord assigns you a task and you perform that task, people will come to believe in Jesus through you. Through you. And then, you know, Paul gives an example of that. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. <laughs> okay, we don't cause the growth. But we do create an environment that God wants to grow things. Notice the illustration he's using there. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. How many of you can grow a garden without ever planting a seed and without ever watering it or taking care of it? It's probably not going to happen. Can God make it happen if he wants to? Yes. And in some cases that may happen. But 99.9% .9 of the time, that is not going to happen. A garden is not going to sprout up unless we put in the time and effort, unless we do our assigned task. Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God made it grow. <laughs> they created a healthy environment for growth. When you have a garden, you plant that, that you, you till it up, you break up the ground, you get it, you get it right, you plant the seed, you water it, you fertilize it, you take care of it, you pull out the weeds. What do you do? You don't make the things grow, but you create an environment for growth to take place. You create an environment where God says, now there is a healthy garden. <laughs> I want to grow something there. It's the same thing in the church. It's the same thing in our lives. <laughs> when we create that healthy environment, God says, hey, I want to grow something there. And that's where God produces the growth. Now. <laughs> What does it mean to be a 3D Christian? We've been talking about this for a week. Um, I love the communion meditation and the, and the way it looked at the, at the 3D aspects. Uh, we're going to look at it a little differently here, not to nullify what is said, because that is great stuff. And if you didn't pay attention to that, go back and listen to that. Okay, it's, it's, it's great information on how we can connect with God, how we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Okay. <laughs> But I'm going to take a little different approach in what I mean by a 3D Christian. We're going to be looking at three points here in connection with our talents and our abilities and doing something. And the first one is discover. Discover. Discover what your gifts are. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we put over in, in the comments section a link to a spiritual gifts survey. And you know what? There's other surveys out there. You could go on and, and do different surveys online. You can do a spiritual gifts survey. You could do a personality survey. You can do a survey that helps you better understand what your abilities and your talents are. Um, if you're familiar with uh, the Strengths Finder survey, man, that is excellent, excellent stuff. And you may be able to find a free version of that online. I know there's a paid version um, on it. <laughs> But, uh, but there's several different things out there that helps us just to be able to better understand what it is we are good at doing. Go through that discovery process. And listen, I would encourage you, 
and I've talked about this a, a couple of times before since I've been here, take some time out and do a life review retreat. A life review retreat. Now, many of you, if not all of you, know that I do this at least once a year. Once a year, uh, between Christmas and New Year's, I take a life review retreat. I kind of I review my life, and especially the past year, but also you know the, the present moment, and then what's coming up ahead of me. <laughs> About every five years, I redo my life goals, um, but every year I do my annual goals. And, and, and it's just a life review on how I can best use my talents or how God can best use me to serve him. And I just, I just do this life review type thing. Now, maybe, maybe you're not weird like me. That's not something you desire to do every year. And I actually do checkups throughout the year. I do a, a quarterly checkup where I take, uh, you know, several hours out of my day. And I just, I just review again what I'm doing. I don't take out several days like I do at the beginning of the year, but I take out a few hours where I just, I just review that stuff. Now I realize I'm weird. That's not something, you know, you don't just go, Hey, maybe I need to do a life review retreat, but it is amazing what it could do for you. Get some of these surveys. And I tell you what I do. If, if you guys are interested in this and this just popped into my mind while I was reviewing my sermon this morning, uh, to be honest with you, um, if you all are interested in this, put it up in the comments if you are. Uh, I can develop for you just a little booklet that could be a life review retreat guide. And if you're interested in that, you know, pop it up in the comments and say, hey, I'm interested. Uh, something for free, something very simple, but it could just help guide you through a life review retreat where you go through this discovery process. Because it is amazing how many times I ask people, what are your talents? What are your abilities? What are you good at doing? And they go, I'm not good at anything. I don't know. And there's maybe something. I don't know. Come on. Come on. Those are God-given things. <laughs> And when we don't know what they are and we're satisfied with just not knowing what they are, we're just like the guy that when the master came to get his uh, get his talent and find out what had happened with him, he hit him. And remember, the master was furious about that. And so I would encourage you to go through this discovery process. Again, if you're interested in that. Uh, let me know over in the comments. It looks like I've got one that's interested. Um, I will I will develop that. It's not going to be soon. It's not like going to be in the next week or so. Um, but I will I will begin to work on that because I want to pour into it. It's going to be simple, uh, but I want it I want it to be um, um, you know very helpful as well. <laughs> Just going through that discovery process because that's the first step of becoming a 3D Christian. Now, what's the second step? Well, the second step is develop. Once you discover what your what your spiritual gifts are, what your abilities and your talents are, begin to develop those. <laughs> Again, we don't want to look at what we're good at and say, okay, those are fine. Let me go work on the stuff I'm not good at. Work on the stuff you are good at doing. Okay. <laughs> I love in um in 1 Timothy 4:14 when it says, do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect it. Work on it, develop it. Learn more about it. Read articles about it. Read books about it. Go to seminars on it. You know, I'm listening to a, a, a series of CDs this year over and over and over. By the end of the year, I will have listened to them 16 times 
and it's called Preaching for Life Change. Why? Because preaching is one of my gifts. It's one of the things I do well. And I want to do it better. And so I'm learning how to do it better. And so read books, listen to audios, go to seminars, whatever it is you do well, learn how to do it even better. Okay? Read, study, listen, learn, practice, put it into practice. And then get feedback, get feedback from people. I love getting feedback from you guys on my preaching. A lot of it's good. Some of it is, is the constructive criticism. Um, and as long as it's leading me in a direction that I feel like God is, is leading me, I am open to anything you want to say. Okay. Because I want to get better. I want to connect with people even better than I already do. And I feel like it's something I do well. I want to do it better. Okay. There's not a whole lot of things I do well, <laughs> but there are a few. And I want to do those things better tomorrow than I did yesterday. And so I continue to work on those things and any kind of feedback I can get. And I would encourage you to do the same. Read about it, study about it, listen about it, learn about it, practice it and get feedback. And that's a continuous process that you do. I have been preaching for over 25 years. Okay. And I still work on getting better. I love the story and I can't remember his name, but it was a famous cello player. And he was, he was like in his seventies and he still practiced six hours a day. And somebody was interviewing him one time. He says, you're the greatest cello player in the world. Why do you still practice six hours a day? And his response was, I'm still making progress. I love that. I don't care how good you get. You've still got room to improve. You can still make progress. You may be the best in the world. And you may be over 70 years old or 80 years old. But you know what? You can still make progress. Keep working and developing that gift. And the third D, we've got discover, we've got develop. The third D to being a 3D Christian is demonstrate. Demonstrate. Now, in order to demonstrate this, we did something. At nine o'clock this morning, I got online here. Maybe all of you didn't see this, but I got online on our Facebook page and I sold a $50 bill. I got on here and I said, I got a $50 bill. I'll sell it for $5. Okay. What you got to do is you got to come to the church building. I'm going to have it on the front porch. I'm going to put a rock on it so it doesn't blow away. And if you just bring $5 and lay it down, the $50 is yours. And we had somebody come and get it. Okay. See if you recognize this person. I don't know if you can recognize this or not, but we did get a little film of the person coming and getting it. You see the envelope there and they're walking up the sidewalk. I think this is supposed to have motion it's to it. Showing. Oh, it is showing, but it's not showing on ours. Okay. I don't know if you recognize this person or not, but this, that was Chris Petrella. Chris Petrella walked up. He got the $50. He laid down um, his money and he took his $50. Now, can somebody tell me, and I want you to put this up in the chat. Why did why did Chris get that deal? Well, first of all, would you agree that's a good deal for Chris to pay five dollars for fifty dollars? 
It's a good deal, right? Why did Chris get that deal and nobody else did? Somebody tell me. Put it up in the chat. We, a little bit of more interaction today than we normally have. Put it up in the chat. Why did Chris get that deal and nobody else did? Can anybody tell me? There's a few things we can look at, but there's, there's one in particular I'm looking at. Somebody put it up in the chat. Why did Chris get that deal and nobody else did? <laughs> All right, Tammy's going to put it up. Uh, when she sees it, I'm reading your comments. I typically don't when I'm preaching because I'm, I'm kind of focused on the message, but I'm over here and um, Laura said he was speeding on the road. Okay, that may be true. What does that mean? The fact that he was speeding on the road, he had to, to do something. What is it? There we go. He went to the church. That's it. He took action. He did something. Oh, look, Christine's tying it right in it. with the series. I love it. He took action. He took action. Listen, nothing happens until something happens, right? We can't sit back and wait for God to work. God, just, just perform a miracle in me. God, I, I, I want this to happen. I want that to happen. God, I want to be used by you. So I'm just going to sit here until you use me. Okay? Get up and do something. Take action because action is where the motivation comes from. It, it concerns me when people say, well, I just don't feel motivated to take, to take action. Most of the time, motivation does not come before the action. Sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time, the action comes before the motivation. How many of you have decided that you want to exercise, you want to get healthy, you want to do what it takes to get healthy, and man, you're just like, Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go to the gym. I'm ready to take that walk. I'm ready to run. I'm ready to exercise. How many of us do that? No, oftentimes it's like, man, I got to do this again, but I, but I really want to do it. I want to put in the self-discipline, and so I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take this action, even though there's a big part of me that right now is saying, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But you get up, and you start to do it, and what happens? Once you get into it, and you get to doing it, you begin to like it. Your mood begins to change. Motivation takes place. Okay? You don't get motivation from a speaker, typically. I know we use that term a lot, motivational speaker. I don't like that term. Because most of the people, most people come to hear me give a motivational speech are already motivated. If they're not motivated, they're not there. Okay, they're sitting at home complaining about other people going to hear motivational speakers. We're not motivational speakers. We're just speakers who are talking to motivated people because they got up and they took action. And when we take action, motivation will typically follow. And so once you discover what it is that God has gifted you to do, and, and it may be more than one. It's not always just one thing, but at least one. Discover at least one thing. Begin to develop that, read about it, study it, and, and demonstrate it. And listen, you don't have to wait to demonstrate it until after you develop it. You can develop it as you're demonstrating it. Matter of fact, one of the ways to best develop it is to demonstrate it, is to do it, is to put it into practice and become better. The more you do it, the better you will become. And so that's, how, that's what it means to be a 3D Christian. Discover your gifts and abilities. 
develop your gifts and abilities and then demonstrate your gifts and abilities. Put them into action and God will do amazing things through you. And it will make the ground healthy and fertile for growth, for growth in you, for growth in the church, and for growth in what God is wanting to do in this world through us as followers of Jesus. Remember, what you are is God's gift to you. But what you do with yourself, that is your gift to God. Second Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 15. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. How do we do that? A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Notice the two, two tiers to that. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Now, why would we have to be ashamed? If we're hiding our talents. If we're burying them, if at the end of this life we come to our master who is God and we say, God, I know what you gave me. I protected it. I didn't I didn't get out of control with it. I just kept everything safe and secure. And here it is. I give it back to you. Not what God's looking for. God's looking for you to take the risk. God's looking for you to take the action. God's looking for you to go through a discovery and development and demonstration process of what he has given you. That is a worker who does not need to be ashamed. When you're using your talents for God, for his glory, not hiding them and not being selfish with them, but using them for the glory of God, and who correctly handles the word of truth. <laughs> Listen, when you use your talents for the glory of God, you're going to have opportunity to share the word of God. You, you won't have to open those doors. Those doors will open for you. And so, yeah, you want to study and correctly handle the word of truth. Understand God's word. That's why we preach. That's why we have our small groups. That's why we do all these things is to help us all to better understand the word of God. And, and listen, it is a never ending journey. You're not going to get to the point where you go, I've got it. I've got the word of God. I've got it. I've got a full grasp on it. I'm ready to go. <laughs> listen, if you ever get to that place, you will incorrectly handle the word of God, <laughs> the word of truth. Okay, don't ever get to the place where you feel like that, that you've arrived with the word of God, but continue to learn, continue to open your mind to what God is wanting to say to you through his word. Through other teachers and preachers that preach his word, but always go to the word. Listen, I can mess up. Our small group leaders can mess up. The people you hear on TV and the radio, they can mess up. The books you read, they can mess up. We can all mess up. Now, if we have a heart for what we're doing, that we don't want to do that. And, 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 and we can still learn from others. I learn from others. But listen, the word of God never messes up. There is no mistake. There, there are no errors in there. In the way that God speaks to us through his word. Okay? So as you learn it better, you can better share his word. And who knows, you may lead somebody to Jesus. You may be the difference 
between somebody's heaven or hell. And it may just start with you simply discovering what your talents are, developing those talents, and then demonstrating those talents by putting them in to practice. <laughs> okay, I want to leave you guys with this question. We've been, we've been ending each uh, message in this series with a question. And so I want to bring this question up for you to answer. How can I make the best use of what God has given me? Listen, God has gifted every one of us. Every one of us have something that we do better than most other people. How can I make the best use of what God has given me? <laughs> Dear Father, we love you. We thank you that you have blessed us with talents and gifts and abilities. God, help us to use those for you. Help us to multiply those in our, our development process. <laughs> help us to discover what they are to begin with and then to develop those and then put those into practice to demonstrate those gifts in the church and in the world and in our families and in our neighborhoods. God, I pray that you guide us in that and help us to answer this question. How can I best use what you have given me? It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.